Stay tuned now for the return of the local coronavirus update. Bad news on my feet. Bad news on And good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales live in the studio and on the line is Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Hey there. So, uh, wow. We got a whole month, a whole month of not not doing the show. We made it a month, Alicia, without this. COVID's like the mob, really. You try to leave it, and it just sucks you back in. (laughs) If it doesn't kill you in the meantime. There's no getting away from it. So back by unpopular demand, uh, uh, we are doing a special edition today of the local coronavirus update. We've got a lot to talk about. Surging case numbers, full ICUs, the Delta variant. So welcome back. Thank you. So, yeah, bad news indeed. Um, And before people start panicking, those amongst us who are vaccinated, it's not that bad yet. Um, But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I will say that the hospitals in this county are very busy. And a lot of that is being driven by the surge that we're seeing from the Delta variant. So currently, or as of Friday afternoon with the published data, uh, we have 11 people hospitalized in the county. I think five of those are in ICU. We're diagnosing about 15 new cases a day in this county of 85,000 people, which is a pretty high rate. Um, And we have about 200 um, people who either actively have COVID or in quarantine secondary to exposure. So numbers are pretty high, not as high as they were in December or January by a long shot, but higher than they were um, this year last time when we thought we were going through a August surge. Um, And these are numbers that we're seeing despite a 65%, perhaps, uh, maybe 70% uh, vaccination uh, uptake rate. So it's it's here and it's, it's, it's not good. What's it been like working in the in the ER during this surge? Is it are people? Is it like a, a big surprise, or, or what's it like? It's it's busy. I mean, it, it it really is busy. And you know, most people that we're seeing are not critically ill because there's a higher rate of vaccination amongst the more elderly, and those are the people obviously are going to get uh, more sick even from this Delta variant. Um, but it's a lot of sort of low-level acuity that, you know, people are coming in be, to be evaluated for, you know, flu-like symptoms or viral symptoms. And, you know, off, as often as not, it's COVID, although we are also seeing a fairly robust resurgence of what typically tend to be winter viruses, but since we've been locked up for a year and a half, they are happy to march all over us, all over us right now. So we're seeing things like RSV, which is a respiratory virus, typically affects kids, and typically in the winter, but here it is in August, July and August. Oh, wow. So now that people are around each other again, viruses that have gone yeah, otherwise would be quiet? Have, we haven't been passing amongst one another are... Wow are happy to uh, take advantage of the opportunity to, you know, reemerge, even that though it's off season for them, so to speak. Well, so what can, I know that um, people are now looking around for trusted sources uh, about this latest Delta. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah Delta, Delta variant surge. What can you tell listeners about what the Delta variant is and why it's so contagious? Sure. So Delta variant is, you know, one of many variants out there, and it is really taken hold in the U.S. and probably accounts for well over 80% of the um, cases in the past week in the United States. Um, It is 
more contagious, um, much more contagious. Um, it produces a somewhat higher degree of illness from what we can tell, and it has a slightly increased resistance to the current iterations of the vaccines. Um, there's also emerging consensus, although it's not really backed up by any published data, that there's a greater um, effect on the pediatric population. Um, and so what we're seeing, and the, real, the thing that's really driving Delta's success is its increased contagiousness. So a lot of the, the previous um, metrics that we've been using, talking about, you know, 15 minutes of indoor exposure is kind of what's required for, um, you know, concern about getting COVID from somebody, that more or less should be thrown out the window. And the six-foot distancing probably also is not adequate. Um, there's just not as much uh, need for high viral exposure for somebody to get infected, and the rate of shedding from infected people is much higher from what we can tell. Uh, and additionally, and unfortunately, I think we're going to start seeing greater numbers of cases of outdoor transmission. Now, that all sounds really, really bad, and it is, but the vaccine is still extremely effective at preventing severe illness with the Delta variant. My concern, and I think of a concern of a lot of public health officers, is what happens with the next variant that's going to come down the pike and whether it doesn't end run around the vaccine. Um, you know, that's, that's what's keeping a lot of people awake at night right now. We rely on you to look past the current bad situation toward the future, possibly even worse situation. So that's, <laughs> that's good to keep in mind. But it, it, uh, it is my specialty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we know. We know that about you yeah. by now. Um, it's good. We'll let you worry about that while we're still trying to wrap our heads around what situation we're in now um because you you hear president biden saying this is a, a a pandemic among the unvaccinated how accurate do you think that is at this point well it's be, it's a pandemic that's being driven by the unvaccinated right so what's keeping the the high rate of transmission what's keeping the high rate of opportunity for the virus to succeed is the unvaccinated fraction of the population and that's why we're seeing you know red hot States, primarily in the South, um, where there's very low vaccine uptake and lower rates, but still rising pretty steeply um, rates in the, the rest of the United States. And, you know, even vaccinated people are, you know, getting the virus and transmitting the virus. That is happening. We don't really have a good sense yet, at least nothing that I've seen um, in any firm sense, um, of what, you know, how much more readily it is transmitted amongst the vaccinated population when compared to you know, previous iterations of this virus. Um, but I think it's safe to say, and I think most, uh, most scientists who are looking into this will conclude that it is you know, much more likely to be transmitted from people who are vaccinated, even though they may be asymptomatic or only mildly symptomatic. How much so? We don't really know yet. But definitely transmissible among unvaccinated folks, right? Oh, yes, and, and much more so, uh, much, 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 much more so than the vaccine, you know, than the virus, you know, that we're talking about a year ago at this point. This is a virus that is probably on the order of eight to ten times more contagious than the initial iteration of the wow. coronavirus. Unbelievable. Yeah. Why won't this yeah, go away? Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. keeps getting worse and mutating. Um Literally. I mean, that is what's happening. Uh, we're yeah. not in sci-fi. Um, 
So now what we're hearing from our public health officials all over the state and and all the different counties is that they're starting to put into place indoor mask mandates. Um, Some businesses are requiring proof of vaccination at bars and restaurants to come inside. What do you think is going to be an effective response at this point? Well, I mean, the, the mask mandate is all well and good, and I certainly would encourage everybody to wear a mask indoors, you know, full stop, period, whether you're vaccinated or not. And I, I, I will say yet again that it was a major mistake to walk away from that earlier this year um, because we just didn't have enough vaccine uptake in the population to uh, walk back from the mask mandate. Uh, you know, the obvious thing that needs to be done, and it's not an easy lift any, any longer, is a greater proportion of the population needs to be vaccinated. This is not a virus. This is not a pandemic that's going to be controlled with it's a pandemic that's going to be controlled with vaccines. And so anything that you can do to drive increased uh, vaccine uptake is really the key to success. So to the extent that any businesses have the capacity to require uh, vaccination, um, then that should be that should have been, you know, the policy months ago. And yet, you know, we're still dithering, really. There's a handful or perhaps slightly more than a handful of hospitals and businesses that are requiring vaccination, but not very many yet. Everybody's still just talking about it. And add to that the disinformation campaigns about the vaccine. And yeah, it, dithering is a good word for it, right? I think we have uh, something well, like 53% of the total population of Mendocino County has both of their shots. 53% of the um, total population, total population right. but of the eligible. So the 12 and up population, I think it's slightly higher than that. But, but still not... Much, much lower than it should be, right? There's plenty of vaccine in this county for everybody to be vaccinated. And I I will say that the the variety of reasons uh, that people give when I encounter them in the hospital when they are diagnosed with COVID uh, regarding their decision to not be vaccinated is highly varied. It's not simply, um, you know, Fox News watching uh, white male middle-aged uh, Republicans who are unvaccinated. It's, it's a broad spectrum of people, and a fairly large fraction of the people are persuadable. Um, but unfortunately, you know, COVID finds them first. Uh-huh. So my message with people, you know, when I talk to them, even if they're there for something other than a viral illness, is, you know, COVID's going to find you at this point. There is no hiding for it from it. You are going to develop antibodies to COVID, whether it's from a vaccine or whether it's from an illness, um, it's going to happen. And it's probably going to happen pretty soon, frankly. Right. And it has been finding folks here in Mendocino County. We've had uh, last week, as of Friday, 127 new infections from Friday to Friday and two new deaths in our county. So the numbers were um, hung out at 50 for a while. uh, And now we've got two new deaths at 52. So is the Delta variant more deadly? It's perhaps slightly more deadly, um, although that's really much more marginally worse than the increased uh, rate of transmission, the increased infectiousness. And, you know, the fact that we've only had two deaths, I'd have to go back to my notes, but it's been several months um, where we've been holding at 50 deaths in the county, and these last two just were added in the last uh, week to 10 days. That reflects, you know, pretty high rates of vaccine uptake amongst the people 60 and up in this county. Right. And so um, 
there is also we've had the, we've had a surge in Mendocino County, but we're actually doing slightly better than Lake County next door, which whose numbers are the highest in the state. They're at fifty cases per day per hundred thousand, and it's yeah, Lake, a hot Lake, spot. Lake County is red hot. Um, I, I will say that in a state that is still relatively cool, I think you know we added about eighty five hundred cases in California in the last twenty four hours. That is up over one hundred and twenty five percent over the last two weeks. Um, so a steep rate of climb, but still not as steep as the national rate of climb. But yes, Lake County is quite high. Um, I see a lot of people from Lake County in my work, and i got to say, anecdotally, there is um, a lot of skepticism around the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like um, there's some vaccine resistance in, in that county. I mean, there's vaccine resistance everywhere, but I mean vaccine hesitancy i guess i should say vaccine resistance is something else you know i'm happy to set aside the niceties at this point frankly (laughs) i'm tired of diagnosing people with what is a preventable illness (laughs) right and to have it come back to have it just roar back um uh, enough it's a dire enough situation that you would come back to the local coronavirus update after you know i didn't think it would happen and yet (laughs) what we made it Four weeks. We made it four weeks, although it does feel like longer than that, I have to say. <laughs> it went quick for me. <laughs> it feels like no time at all has passed. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, the point of this show is to open up the phone lines and allow people to ask questions. If y'all have questions about the current state of things, um, the phone number here in the studio is 707 895 two four four eight and i will be um the phone lines are open you can get you can call anytime eight nine five two four four eight um i guess my big question is what can people do i mean we this whole way along it's been people's choices that have made um so much of an impact so what do you what do you think we all should be doing right now to protect ourselves and to try to put a damper on this thing so I would. This is what needs to be done. First off, obviously, the five COVID rules are still applicable. They need to be modified slightly. I think we can't quite presume that outdoor activities are as safe as they were thought to be six months ago. Um, that's not really validated yet, but I think we're going to start seeing um, a lot of talk about that in the coming months. Um, but masking indoors, I think, should be mandatory and certainly should be something that each of our listeners should elect to do um, over the course of the next several months. Um, getting vaccinated, obviously, is um, the imperative step. And then I think, frankly, we need to start talking and pressuring people who are not vaccinated or businesses that don't require vaccination. I mean, you know, Adventist Hospital System yet doesn't require vaccination um, for its staff, which, frankly, is outrageous. And every hospital in the state of California should require every one of its healthcare workers be vaccinated or you don't come to work or you alternatively wear an N95, you know, 24-7 when you're in on grounds. Um, we're not there yet in this county. We're not there yet in this state, and it's inexcusable, frankly. It's been too long. However, you know, the, the, the bugaboo in the room is FDA's, you know, governmentally, you know, languishingly slow decision um, to reach full FDA approval for these vaccines. It's still under emergency use authorization. I think that's kind of 
you know, a straw man kind of objection that the vaccine hesitant um, will throw up. I don't think there are going to be that many people who are going to come rushing in the doors to get vaccinated once there's full approval of the vaccines, which is going to happen because these are some of the most rigorously studied and widely um, tested and observed and, and certainly discussed um, medications in the history of mankind. But, you know, we still don't have full FDA approval for any of these vaccines yet. All right. Well, as expected, the phones are ringing off the hook, so let's take our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Yeah, hi. Well, thanks for coming back in the midst of this catastrophe, this tragedy, really. Um, thank you, Drew and Alicia, very much. Um, I, my question is, um, I, I was probably, maybe it's not known yet, if this Delta variant uh, also has long-term effects on many people and if that's more likely to happen in any lasting effects, permanent damage to people's bodies might be more severe. What do you know about that? Is anything known? I know it's really early in this, so I'll take my yeah, answer we, off the end. It's, it's too early to speculate as to whether, you know, the so-called long COVID is going to be better or worse or about the same with the Delta variant um, when compared to the previous iterations. There's just no good data on that yet. I think it's safe to presume that it's going to be about the same. We really don't have any good reason to suppose it would be different. Yeah, the, the major asterisk is we really don't know much about long COVID, which is to say we don't know why some people get it. Uh, we don't know why some people seem to shake it off after a few weeks or months and why some people still after a year are having some um, effects from a COVID illness that seemed fairly minor or, in fact, was completely asymptomatic you know, over a year ago. None of that is well understood yet, even for the original iteration of uh, COVID and certainly not for Delta, which has really just been making its grand entrance in the last couple months in this country. All right, let's take another call. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Dr. Drew. I am Hello. sorry that we're having our conversation again. Um, <laughs> All right. But I have a couple of questions. Uh, my first one is, do we have any idea how long right now a vaccinated person can shed the virus if they do get exposed by someone and they don't have any symptoms? No, we don't. That's a really good question. So if somebody has been previously vaccinated um, and then is diagnosed with COVID, either because they are exposed and got tested or just elected to get tested or were mildly symptomatic, um, the duration of live viral shedding, particularly under the Delta iteration, is not um, well characterized yet. Um, the, the rapidity of the climb of the spread suggests that there's a fairly high um, incidence of transmission amongst the vaccinated population, um, people who have you know, either no uh, symptoms or very low level symptoms. Uh, just because we're talking about a population that's you know, 50, 60% vaccinated, and yet we're seeing the rate of climb in terms of the um, no, new number of cases, similar to you know, what we were seeing last in a completely naive population. And so I think that ultimately there's going to be some fairly good data pointing toward um, a degree of transmission from the vaccinated population. But how long that persists after you know, a positive test or the first onset of mild symptoms, we just don't have a handle on that yet with Delta. 
Okay. And my second question has to do with COVID pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a friend who got COVID pneumonia, and I'm wondering, does um, the regular pneumonia vaccina- vaccination that you can get, does it help protect you against the COVID pneumonia? It does not. Okay. All right. Well, thank you again for the show. I I was hoping we were done with this like everybody else, but I do appreciate your information. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for that call. I I will say COVID pneumonia is really what drives most hospitalizations. I mean, COVID can cause protein manifestations, but it's the pneumonia that drives the hypoxia that pushes people into the hospital and makes them get acutely ill or even die. And what does prevent that um, to a very high degree still, even with Delta, is the vaccine, uh, such that you know approximately 97% of people hospitalized in co- with COVID in the United States right now are the unvaccinated. So there will be a few unlucky people who were vaccinated who get acutely ill and have to be hospitalized with COVID, but the vast majority are people who have elected not to be vaccinated. All right, let's take our next call. Okay. Hello, caller, Hi. you're live on the air. Hi. Um, I have a couple of questions about the surrounding counties. You mentioned Lake, but what about Marin and Sonoma and Humboldt? Yeah, so Marin, I don't have the numbers in front of me um, as I speak, but they are more or less on par with Mendocino um, in terms of their rate per 100,000. They might be off, you know, 20%, but Lake County is red hot, whereas the rest of us are fairly warm. And actually, let me just correct, we here in Mendocino are doing less well, as I recollect, um, than the counties you just listed. We're not as bad as Lake by a long shot, but um, on the California heat map, Mendocino is, you know, warm, whereas Lake County is hot, um, and the surrounding counties are kind of lukewarm, if you will. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. Thanks for that call. And we'll take another one. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. My question has to do with transmission. Um, If a virus like this um, is still forming, um, when it forms to a surface transmission instead of just airborne, would it be uh, more likely for that to happen, or is it more likely from your experience for um, surface-borne transmission viruses to go airborne. So I'm not sure I understand the question entirely. Um, I'll take a stab at what you might be asking me, and then you can correct me. But this virus, you know, the Delta variant um, still spreads in the same manner as the original iterations. It is still primarily an aerosol and droplet um, transmission. It's not surface transmission generally. And that will happen in some rare cases, uh, but generally it's going to be spread through the air uh, from one person to the next, whether it's in an enclosed space or in a sort of still air outdoor setting. But we're not seeing any any significant data that I've seen yet um, of increased rate of surface transmission with this variant. I, I guess my question was, if it starts to mutate, is it more, is it, is it a lot harder for a virus to mutate from air to the surface than it is from surface to air? I guess it's- 
Oh, I understand. So, yes, so it's not that it's going to be harder for it to mutate in one particular direction, but the uh, evolutionary advantage from the virus's perspective is certainly uh, to be something that can be transmitted through the air. That is a much more uh, advantageous method of transmission for a virus. So the viruses that have high rates of transmissibility, um, the R not, so to speak, um, are viruses that are transmitted via airborne transmission. And we're talking things like, you know, measles um, or now, you know, SARS-CoV-19 Delta variant, which has an R, R0 of probably 15 or 18, which means, you know, one person can infect as many as 15 or 18 other people. Jeez. Yeah. What was the, the alpha variant or whatever they call the original strain? It was thought to be around three or four. Oh, great. Yep. Okay, so that thing you were talking about with um, mutations and variants and you being really afraid that we were going to get that and it was going to make prolong the pandemic and make it worse, that actually happened. That has happened, but it could happen again still, right? So Mm -hmm. we still have, you know, a fairly large... Um, proportion of the population that's not vaccinated. Uh, we don't have any mandatory masking requirements. We're going indoors again. Schools need to open. Um, there's not a high degree of vaccine. Um, you know, you know, there's not a high degree rate, a uh, high rate of vaccine mandate in the country, uh, really at all. And so the opportunity for this virus to ch- mutate again and uh, find traction um, with an end run around the vaccine's efficacy, that's real. Now, fortunately, these vaccines are pretty nimble, but it's still going to take you know three to five months uh, for them to be modified if something like that emerges. But there are other strains out there that are you know, quite concerning, uh, to put it mildly. They're just not quite as contagious um, as the um, Delta variant that we're dealing with. All right. Well, your ears are not deceiving you. This is the local coronavirus update after all of our fanfare that we were finishing off the show. Uh, the Delta well, virus has... the mug. It might go in a way. We had a nice potluck. It was great to see you all. Uh, but masks are back and the pandemic is um, it is having a surge with the Delta variant here in Mendocino County and across the nation. So we're back. And it, it doesn't seem like we're going to be back weekly, but we may be back um, semi regularly first week of the month or something like that we'll see how it goes but clearly uh, there are lots of questions and we're going to get back to them if you would like to call in with your question the number here in the studio is 707-895-2448 i'm alicia bales live in the studio and dr drew colfax is calling in from the road so here's our next caller hello caller you're live on the air thank you right now yep Oh, okay. Um, let me turn my radio down. Okay. Uh, am I speaking to Alicia and Dr. Colfax? You are. You live are. in the air. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for starting the programs up again. Um, I'm calling from Willits, and I just have one simple question, but uh, there's some confusion about one point. If you are vaccinated and you're wearing a mask and you're indoors and there is someone with you who is not vaccinated but wearing a mask, what is the level of the possibility of contagion? Well, it's 
it's lower, obviously, if if you're both wearing masks. Um, that's you know that's that's a key step, and the the risk of the vaccinated person um, getting COVID from the masked unvaccinated person and becoming symptomatic um, is is really quite low indeed in your scenario. And likewise, even with the Delta variant, uh, which may almost certainly probably um, is more likely to be transmitted from people who are vaccinated, uh, the relative or the absolute risks uh, for the unvaccinated individual are still low because you're both masked. But, you know, it's, it's much higher than it was six months ago before the arrival of this Delta variant. So All right. Good reason so, to you know minimize indoor time. There is good reason again to stay masked indoors. Uh, and frankly, I would even encourage you know particularly the more elderly um, vaccinated people to mask up outdoors if you're going to be in crowded settings over the course of the next month. I will say, and I'm you know this is all doom and gloom right now, but there's a not a consensus but there's perhaps a optimistic estimate that this is going to be a rapid surge we're going to see sort of a a massive crush of the delta variant over the course of the next two to four weeks and then it's going to quickly fade away it's not really understood why that's you know expected to happen but in some areas where delta has crushed in early it has also faded um fairly rapidly um Part of that might be due to the fact that there's a fairly high vaccinated population. Some of it is just not well understood because every time we think we understood and understand COVID, we are proven wrong. Um, but I think this is going to be a grim, you know, three to four to maybe five weeks, and then we're going to be on the track to improvement again. But during this okay. during this during this period, you know, I, I think it's time to be fairly prudent again in terms of uh, minimizing one's risk. Okay, so, but you still feel that if the two people are wearing masks and sitting apart from each other, um, is it just as good as if the person were vaccinated? No, it's not. No, it would certainly be best if both people were masked and vaccinated, um, to be sure. Um, but you know, that's uh, that's part of what we're dealing with. Is there's a contingent of unvaccinated people who are making this worse, and unfortunately, your scenario, while um, good in that both both of individuals are masked, I don't think that's normative. Which is to say, I think a fairly large of people who are not vaccinated are also unmasked without this mandatory mask mandate. And so you know, a lot yeah. of businesses say you can enter without a mask. If you're vaccinated, I can almost guarantee you that a substantial fraction of people who are not vaccinated are walking into that store without a mask. I, I agree with you. I believe that, too. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. It was a pleasure, and, and thank you for doing this. Sure. All right. Thanks okay. for calling in. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I've got another call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Hey, uh, I hate to say it's good to hear you both again, considering. Um, however, I was wondering what the percentages drew of unvaccinated folks um, saying high condensed areas like L.A. Um, of deaths of unvaccinated people who are infected. So the, the deaths 
that we're seeing, I don't have any, you know, know, county by county data, um, but COVID deaths right now nationwide, I I believe it's well over 95% uh, unvaccinated. There are still a few very unfortunate and probably people who have weakened immune systems for various reasons who did not develop good immunity secondary to the vaccine. Um, But the vast majority, over 95% of people who are dying from COVID are the unvaccinated. All right, 895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. Yes, hello. Uh, I have two questions. One is uh, how uh, efficacious is the uh, are the current vaccines? Like, what is the percentage with the, in regards to the Delta uh, variant? Uh, I know it's 90-something percent, you know, with, our, with the previous iteration. So that's my first question. Yeah, so that's a really good question, and it it needs to be broken down a little bit more. So it's still almost as effective at preventing um, death or severe COVID illness. It's significantly less uh, effective at preventing the more mild cases. Um, How much less is open to a great deal of debate right now. I suspect it's going to settle out to be probably 60 to 70 percent rather than the 85 to 90 percent that we saw, but it might even be lower than that, which is to say Uh if you're vaccinated, you might still get COVID and you might still feel kind of lousy for a few days from your um, COVID illness with your vaccine-induced immunity, but you're very unlikely to end up in the hospital and even less likely to end up succumbing from COVID. Okay, thank you. And then the second question is, do you, have, do you know anything about the timeline for when the um, emergency status for the uh, vaccine is going to change into whatever the status is where it's accepted by yeah, everyone? So right now, just to reiterate, we are all three vaccines are approved under an emergency use authorization. And rest assured, this is something that none of us have ever really thought about up until this pandemic started. Um, and that is different from full FDA approval. Full FDA approval for the Pfizer and um, maybe a week or two later for the Moderna is thought to be coming down the pike. I hope and suspect that political pressure will push it sometime into August, but it might be sometime in September or, heaven forbid, as late as October before that happens. The FDA does not seem to appreciate that there is a pandemic and some need for urgency. I don't know. Right. I mean, the the vaccine was this, you know, fantastic success of science, and people complained that it was too fast and are thus not wanting to get it. So I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're ready to grant approval, and they're just sitting on their hands because they don't want people pointing to the fact that it was rushed to full approval. Well, it'll be interesting to see what percentages of people decide to go forward with vaccinations once it's approved, and it, it can never be too soon. So. Um, thank it, you. For it that will be interesting to see that. Indeed, I'm not terribly optimistic that it's going to create a crush of people lining up to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's very, very possible too. So I, I hope that's wrong, but I think you might be right. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, thank you for the call. Nope. How about that one? Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Hi, uh, thank you for the show. Um, do you recommend people still keep their dental appointments during this time? 
Yeah, I do. I, I mean, particularly if you're vaccinated, um, every dentist, um, well, let me qualify that, almost every dentist um, is being extremely careful um, around this. And as long as you're vaccinated, I don't think that dental care should be put off um, any longer. Um, and likewise, you know, frankly, I think that schools need to reopen. I mean, a lot of what has been driving this confusion around the masking mandate is the fact that it's going to de-incentivize getting the vaccine and it's going to com compound the plans to reopen schools this fall throughout the country. All that stems from the fact that apparently Americans can't, you know, chew gum and walk at the same time, which is to say they can't wear a mask and get vaccinated. So, yes, those sort of essential activities, I don't think we need to go back to sort of sitting in our rooms and, uh, you know, hate scoring uh, COVID information uh, without going out and doing what we need to do. Excellent. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Thanks for that. Do you see the vaccine approval age coming down anytime soon? Younger kids being able to get vaccinated? Yeah, that's, that's probably going to happen maybe in September as well. Um, that, that's certainly uh, in the very near future, um, which is good because there is increased data showing that there's seems seemingly um, a greater number of symptomatic kids uh, requiring medical attention or even hospitalization from COVID, whether that's due to just the COVID, just the Delta variant or just higher numbers in pediatric population. It's not entirely clear yet. Right, because as we reopened, kids are now getting exposed and uh, add on top of that a, a much more contagious variant around and so more kids are getting sick from it all right well the phones are still ringing off the hook drew so let's let's plow forward here oops nope lost them both 895-2448 let's try again hey caller you're live on the air hello hello you're live hello uh we have two bridge players who are not vaccinated they usually wear a mask is it safe for elderly People who are vaccinated to play with them. I'm sorry, you have two what kind of players? Bridge players, card players. Bridge players. Ah, no, it's not. Um, yeah, if, if particularly if they're not wearing their masks with 100% um, adherence, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's something that I would encourage. And to be sure, you know, this, there's, there is still a high degree of variability amongst masks. You know, the bandanas are really just masks or facial coverings in name only. They don't do anything to prevent transmission. The surgical masks are pretty good, but they're not nearly as good as N95s. And if your bridge players are unvaccinated, they're probably unwilling to sit at the bridge table wearing an N95 that is properly fitted and you know respiratory therapist approved. Um, so I think that this might be a good month to uh, pass on the bridge. Thank you. Yeah. All right, good question. Hello caller, you are live on the air. Hi, um, I came down with uh, flu-like symptoms over the weekend, even though I've been vaccinated and been pretty careful and not been around many people. I am um, scheduled to get a COVID test uh, in the morning, but um, I'm just wondering uh, um, how advisable that is and uh, um you know, my symptoms have been real mild, really, and uh, um, no fever. You know, I can still smell a peach and stuff like sure. that, um, and I'm much better today than I was yesterday. And 
Although I'm so still that, kind of stuck. You know, that, that's encouraging, and this might just be, you know, as you said, a viral illness. Now, obviously, COVID is a viral illness as well. The testing um, probably is not going to change what you are doing in terms of managing your own health, but it's certainly going to change or should change what you do in terms of exposing other people in your family or community. So you should get tested um, because... You know, if you have a mild viral illness, we must presume it's COVID until we are sure that it is not. And if it right. is, then you're going to need to isolate for the requisite amount of time so you don't spread it to anybody yeah. else. And that's... I guess that was going to be my question. I have been self-isolating since I first started getting symptoms I and... Uh, and you know, not working or anything like that. And uh, but, yeah, so, so you you could forego testing if you you know if, if that's a burden for you, and just isolate for the next ten days at home, um, presuming it's COVID. Well, if I can, it sounds yeah. like you're recovering, which is fine. Yeah. No, I, I'd want to get tested so that I'd know that whether I have to keep self isolating because right. there's and a that, lot to that, do. That would be the solution to that. Is just get the test. And fortunately, you know, the OptumServe tests are resulting um, in a usefully short amount of time. So it can actually change your behavior in, you know, within 24 hours, certainly. Okay. Great. Thank you All very right. much. Thanks for the I call. I encourage everybody to wear masks. Yeah, mask up. Um, is it the same amount of isolation, 10 days, Drew? For the for the it, Delta, that's well. You can you can shorten it if you get tested afterward. Um, and so I, I think that the current requ- requirements are you, it can be shortened down to seven days if you get two successive tests that are negative mm-hmm. um, during the tail end of that. I actually haven't looked at that recent requirement. I don't think it's changed with the Delta. Um, I don't think there's a lot of reason why it should be changed, um, but I haven't confirmed that for a couple months now, actually. And how do you think we should be um, thinking about testing, just ordinary everybody? Um, should we be going back to regular testing? Do you think that would be helpful? I, you know, the numbers have been barely acceptable in the county for months and months now. Um, they have picked up a bit uh, in the last couple weeks because people are anxious about it and people are seeing the numbers climbing and there's a lot of COVID going around. So the, the testing rate has increased in the county um, over the course of the last couple of weeks. You, know, you can't have too much testing, really. Okay. And so, yes, people should get tested um, as early and as often as they can tolerate, you know, and that's not just for one's own health, but it, it guides public health policy and you know, it lets us have a good sense of how bad it is in the county uh, throughout the county and not just in hot spots of where people are symptomatic with illness. All right, it's the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales on the air with Dr. Drew Colfax. We're here for a special edition, a special Delta virus, uh, Delta variant edition of the local coronavirus update. It's extremely special, uh, backed by unpopular demand. And we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, Phones are still ringing off the hook, so it's 895-2448. We'll take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Hello. So, um, should I go ahead and talk now, or? Yes, please. Okay. So, I, um, I need to turn this off. Uh, I'm, I'm on right now, Mary Kay, so that's who you're hearing. Anyway, I'm a caregiver. Okay. Thank you. There's a delay, and so if you're listening to the radio, you're hearing yourself seven seconds later. I know, later. and I'm trying to get my friend to turn it off. <laughs> okay. 
It can be very disorienting. All right. I'm a caregiver, and there are four other caregivers in the household, and uh, all of us are vaccinated except one. So, and, and she does have valid reasons of being immune compromised. She's an excellent caregiver. We do really rely on her. Uh, we're not there at the same time. But is it going to be good enough if we all wear good masks um, to proceed with a 92-year-old woman? Um, I just yeah, it's, that's it's what I want your opinion. Yeah, it's pretty much good enough. Um, you know, as long as you have some good ventilation at, at shift change, if you will. Um, okay. That's, that's probably adequate. I would be worried about your unvaccinated immune compromised person, you know, yeah. co-worker uh, contracting right. COVID from you. However, that's that's mm-hmm. the major risk. The risk to right. you uh, from her is, you know, well con- corralled by the vaccine uh, still, and so I. You know, I would urge you to have continued conversations with her about her reluctance to get vaccinated. It mm-hmm. is true that the vaccine does not provoke as good of an immune response in those people who are immune compromised, but it's also true that COVID kills people at a much higher rate in the immune compromised population. Um, and right. so really without exception, health care providers are urging um, the immune compromised to get vaccinated because it does produce some immunity and it produces very effective immunity in some. Um, yeah, what, I you know, really what, strongly believe that too, but who would I have her talk to that she would actually maybe? Well, um, you know, you could have her talk to her, you know, revisit the question with her health care provider. Um, that, would okay. be, that would be the first step um, because, okay. you know, it, it really is clear that um, people respond to medical advice, believe it or not, from their own personal doctors or nurse practitioners or you okay. know healthcare providers of any of any flavor, um, and that tends to be the single greatest driver of the vaccine reluctant or the vaccine hesitant or the vaccine nervous to get to make the decision to get vaccinated. So I would. You know, I would simply encourage your coworker to circle back and have another conversation. You know, at this point in the pandemic, about the about what we know, um, both of, about the about the virus and about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine in the immune compromised. Okay. As a parenthesis, I also think yeah. you know, and this doesn't really affect your your friend or your coworker, um, but there also needs to be a movement um, of healthcare. Um, providers offering and delivering um, third and even fourth or even fifth doses of the vaccine in the immune compromised because there's emerging data that serial vaccinations for the immune compromised actually finally does induce a high level of immunity that prevents severe illness. That's not happening yet. You know, the government and the FDA and local um, public health are not even close to getting on board with that. But that should happen. If I were immune compromised, I would be sneaking around trying to get my third, fourth, and fifth doses of the vaccine because there's really good data showing that that actually works. Can you do that? I want to ask just one really fast thing. And the 92-year-old, we've been allowing her not to wear a mask, but it sounds like now she should wear a mask. I, you know, she's 92 years old. I presume she's vaccinated. I hope she's vaccinated. Yeah, she's vaccinated. I, I, you know, I, as long as you all are careful, I, 
frankly think that your unvaccinated healthcare worker has to wear a mask. That can't even be negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of you are vaccinated. Um, I, I think. And what what kind of mask is a surgical mask good enough? A surgical or? mask is probably the best, most tolerable. So I would urge your ninety-two-year-old um, client to be masked um, when the unvaccinated healthcare worker is taking care of her, um, and maybe for you know half hour, forty-five minutes thereafter, or perhaps even an hour. Um, and then can be a little bit more relaxed around the three of you who are vaccinated. That's really off the cuff, but it's probably a workable solution. I'd hate to, you know, impose a surgical mask on a 92-year-old for the duration of this pandemic again. Yeah, but the rest of us, the caregivers, should wear the surgical, the, um, the 90s. Yeah, y'all should be masked up again. I mean, I, you know, I don't like wearing a mask at work, but it's, it's, it's again a requirement, right? Yeah, right, right. Okay, thank you so much. All right, I thanks really for the call. It. So really, so getting a third and a fourth and a fifth shot, huh? Well, for the immune compromise, and I'm talking people who you know have actively suppressed immune uh, systems, do for you know for reasons of organ transplant or because they're getting chemotherapy. Um, those kind of people with you know significant immune compromise. There's increasing data, um, particularly out of Europe, that additional doses of the vaccine actually can provoke a good immune response that seems to be functional or preventing severe COVID illness. You know, it's it's not something that's readily uh, talked about, um, and that's really pretty pathetic because there are about 3 million people in the United States with significant immune compromise um, who, even though they are vaccinated, still don't have good immunity. Um, and so that's, you know, that's just a a robust failure. Um, and, you know, we walked away from those people when we decided to walk away from the national mask mandate. So that's you know, on par. All right. Well, phone lines are still lighting up, Drew. So <laughs> all the way to the end of the hour, let's take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. All the way uh, go ahead hello. and turn your radio down and, um, yeah, and go I've ahead. Got, I've got it off now. Thank you. Great. Um, so I know the general answer to this, uh, doctor, and I'm really glad you're on the radio today. Um, for well, that makes one group, of us, but group, go ahead. <laughs> for, for groups that gather weekly uh-huh. without saying who, um, uh, we have asked people who are unvaccinated to not come, but we don't know for sure. Um, many we do know because we know them personally, but um, can you just give a, a quick and dirty estimate of being in a room that has a lot of headspace, um, tall, you know, lots of headspace, 30 by 40 feet with 20 feet in the air to, to, the, to the ceiling, um, the difference between everybody masked with a few unvaccinated people, perhaps, who have slipped in versus uh, no unvaccinated people. And they're yeah, there for so, an hour. Yeah, and they're there for an hour. It's hard for me to put an absolute number on that. Uh-huh. I frankly think and would submit that those type of gatherings should be put on hold again um, for the next month or two. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless it's, you know, unless it's, you know, childhood education or medical or dental care or something that is absolutely essential, um, those type of indoor gatherings, I would set aside whether everybody's vaccinated or not. There's just still too much.
much uh, lack of clarity about how bad this Delta variant is, um, but we do know uh, that it's pretty readily transmitted. And if you have some people in that group who aren't vaccinated, the risk of their getting it from somebody else in that room is pretty high. And we unfortunately also know that the risk of their getting sick is even higher with this Delta variant than it was with the original iterations of COVID. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in the room uh, vaccinated and asymptomatically shedding virus that gets somebody um, acutely ill. Okay. And then uh, for those people who are vaccinated, um, get, is, it too, is it too often to get weekly tests? We, we have those available on the coast. Um, yeah, we, is that weekly, too I think, often? is not quite... Um, not quite what the public health would, would prefer. They don't want it skewed towards sort of the frequent testers. And so I, I think that most public health officers are suggesting if you're completely asymptomatic and you're just trying to help, you know, help track the virus um, in the county or in your community, um, most public health officers are suggesting a, a monthly test. Now, if you're okay. symptomatic, then by all means get tested, um, or right. if you're exposed or you know, potentially exposed, then by all means get tested. But if you're just trying to contribute to our local knowledge of the status of the virus in the county, then that would be about a monthly test. Okay. I'm just trying to um, assure the people that I do have to visit, uh, and there are some of them that, you know, choose to have me visit uh, yeah, so if you're, you know, if you're having to visit people or if you're providing services to people who might be yeah. at risk of doing poorly with COVID, then get tested more frequently, by all means. You know, get, okay. get a weekly all test right. and, you know, be free, right. you know, you know, be free to reveal that to the people you're uh, coming into contact with. Right. That's fine. Um, and, that's, and then you know, that's and where so, we're going to be headed as we finally get towards some sort of vaccine mandate right. uh, with and, healthcare workers. And with Delta is the, um, I'm sorry, I can't think of the, the term, but from exposure to beginning to show symptoms, I've heard rumors that that can be even sh- as short as two days. The incubation correct? period? Yeah, the incubation period, it right, to right. be shorter. You know, the incubation period on all the original variations was fairly um, variable. So it was anywhere from about 48 hours to all the way out to two weeks. And there were some outline okay. cases all the way to three weeks. We finally okay. settled on a two-week quarantine period uh, nationwide. Right. And that, you know, was thought to capture probably 98% of cases. Okay. But the Delta seems to have moved the needle um, shorter, perhaps, by about 36 hours, which is to say okay. maybe most cases are going to become symptomatic. Um, the majority of cases are going to be symptomatic in about, 30, in about three days. Um, right. And some as short as 48 hours. That's not quite, um, you know, that's not quite as long as what we were seeing. I'm sorry, that's shorter than what we were seeing with the original variation. All right. Thanks, caller. We're going to try to get one more caller in. All right. Caller, call back because (laughs) I tried to get you in and now you're not calling in. All right. Well, we have about uh, two and a half minutes, three minutes left. And let's see if we can get this one really quick. Hey, caller, do you have a quick question for Dr. Colfax? Thank you. Are you ready for me? Yep, quick, quick, quick. I hope so. Hey, uh, three weeks ago, I went to UCSF and had an operation. The next Friday, I went for a checkup. And the next Friday, I got a call from them that one of the doctors that I was with for 15 minutes while I was unmasked uh, came down with COVID two days later. 
They gave me a 14-day incubation period. And so on this Friday, I can get a COVID test to find out if I have COVID. But last week, I had a friend visiting with my granddaughter who had Crohn's disease. Does it behoove me to find out sooner if, if I have COVID to protect him because of his immune disability? Yeah, so it, it, I'm sorry, it, it, the sequence, you're going to be seeing this friend of yours with Crohn's or that's already happened? That's already happened. And I, yeah. the, fall, the day after they left, I got the notification from UCSF that I'd been exposed. Yeah, so you could be tested now, and that would that would actually set your mind and probably everybody else's mind at ease. Uh, the likelihood that you have um, COVID and are asymptomatic um, after that exposure in the doctor's office is quite low indeed, um, and I think we could say it's trending towards zero if you get a negative test at this point. The 14-day period, is that's, that, that's the quarantine that the, that the state and the county and the country still requires after a known exposure. Um, and so getting tested now, I think, would safely allow you to say you did not get, you did not contract COVID from that exposure in the doctor's office. All right, caller, we're going to have to say and goodbye. Do I have to go to Ukiah to get that test? Or can you I don't. Get it Most locally? of the health care centers throughout the county now can test for COVID. So call call Thank a local health care center, and they might be able to test you um, in the clinic. All right. So we've got just a minute left. And uh, anything you want to say uh, to the listeners, Drew? Well, it, it's still, you know, largely the same virus. If you're vaccinated, there's no need to completely freak out. Um, if you're unvaccinated, by all means, go get vaccinated. But you're probably not listening to me at this point. I think, and what do you think, Alicia? Should we do this the first Monday of every month for the next month or two? To yeah. Let's, let's plan to be back the first Monday of September unless all hell breaks loose in the meantime, and then we'll we'll be back here with you trying to navigate with all of us. How does that sound? That, that's workable for me. <laughs> all right. Have safe travels, and we will see you back here in a month. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, Drew, and thanks, yep, to everyone who called in. And um, take good care, everyone. Mask up. Indeed. Talk to you in a month. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to a special edition of the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax, which aired live on Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX, on Monday, August 2nd, 2021. For more information about our programming, our broadcast schedule, and Jukebox Archive, please visit kzyx.org, where you can also become a member and keep community radio on the air and podcasting in Mendocino County. Thanks for listening.